With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pickle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, they... And good day, everybody. Welcome on in to episode 159 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm Ben Fadner, host. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. The Padres, after the offense, literally could not do anything in this game. Somehow in the ninth inning, they get some runners on. And even though Jerks and Profar made a really dumb base running mistake, they still end up winning the game because Jorge Alfaro goes yard for a walk-off to win 3-2. to two. I mean, it was a good at-bat by C.J. Abrams there in the ninth inning. I forget who else was even on during that. But here, let's just start by playing... Don Arcillo on the call. High drive, deep left center field. How far will Alfaro send this one? Gone! Three-run home run, walk-off home run for Jorge Alfaro. Padres win it three to two.
Happy Mother's Day! There you go. An amazing call from Don Arcillo right there. Um, Jerks and Profar, you saw him celebrating really, really hard there uh, because he got saved. You know, that bad base running mistake in that ninth inning where there was a ground ball to second base. Joey Wendell makes a bad throw. And just because Wendell makes a bad throw, Profar decides to run to third because no one's there, not realizing that there's still a pitcher there at the mound who is shorter to third than you are from second to third. And he gets thrown out. That was the second out. And you would, you're lying if you're going to tell me that you truly believe that the Padres are going to win that game being down two to nothing with Jorge Alfaro at the plate with two outs after Profar just made that mistake. You're lying. But it's an amazing feeling that they won. Uh, I totally forgot to make a post-game reaction video, so I just put that out uh, because of how excited I was in my dorm room. Um, I was waiting to do a post-game reaction video about a Padres loss. And then Alfaro goes yard, and I'm clapping as loud as I've probably clapped in a long time. My family knows how loud I clap during games that I'm passionate about. <laughs> Just ask them. Um, but my hands hurt for a little bit after that because of how hard I was smacking my hands together clapping because that was a win. It, a win is a win. It was not a great win because the whole game was not great. It was a great ending. I'll put it that way. Um, but I was really, really happy, really, really stoked. And while I'm starting this kind of, you know, not happy, I guess, you know, with, with like a real happy tone, um, you got to be happy about this because they won the series, right? You win every series you play, you're going to be in a very, very good spot and you're going to be a postseason team. And this was a series that the Padres needed to win. And it wasn't, it was not a very nice series. It was not a clean series for them by any means, you know, scoring offensively, doing any of that. But props to the starting pitching, props to some of the bullpen. I know Saturday game wasn't great in terms of the bullpen, but we'll get to that. But overall, you know, when I'm looking back on it now, you got to be happy. I'm happy that they won the series. 19 and 10 is their record right now. They're one game back of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are playing Sunday night baseball as I speak. Will they be a half game back of them by tonight? Who knows? Uh, but this is a series that they had to win, and they won it. That's the end of the story. And so at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm really happy. I was stoked when that home, when that ball went over the fence. I was stoked uh, when they won the first two games of the series. But I'd be lying if I said that I was stoked about how they won the series. Just the offense just needs to be better, and that's going to be a big focus of this episode. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're located inside Petco Park. They're located in Mission Gorge, Point Loma. You can visit gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu, their addresses, um, the phone number to call them if you have any questions. They're a great, great uh, family Rest, uh, restaurant, um, hit them up, gagglingbros.com. They're the sponsor of this episode. My mom went to the game and she was having some cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Um, 
or the it wasn't she didn't have a cheesesteak she had i think it was the cheesesteak garlic fries so the steak and you put it with cheese whiz and you put it on the garlic fries which looks amazing i've never had that i, I usually have it separate um, but she was supporting the sponsor there but i, I encourage you celebrate this win gagloandbros.com again you can view their addresses their menu they're the sponsor of this episode all right let me know in the chat how are you feeling after this win how are you feeling after this series win how are you feeling about the team overall i will get to all of these comments all of your thoughts thank you for jumping in live here or whether you're watching on replay i encourage you to hit the subscribe button to this youtube channel thank you for listening uh, to the podcast, if you are as well, on Apple Podcast and Spotify. All right, games one through four. Again, this was a four-game series after the doubleheader in Cleveland on, what was that, Wednesday? Dang, that feels like a long time ago. Uh, but on Thursday, Bob Melvin was not managing. Ryan Christensen was managing. Uh, pre-game, he said that the plan was to use a, is, a, is to use a six-man rotation until Snell comes back and then there'll be another discussion come when Snell comes back about the rotation, who would be sent down if there is going to be someone sent down. Are they going to go to with the six-man rotation still? Is Nick Martinez going to piggyback in the bullpen, which seems like it's going to happen, seems like it's the obvious choice. Um, so that was a little bit of piece of news that happened before Thursday. Melvin, like I mentioned, did not mention, did not manage. It seemed like a one-day thing. There was bad weather on Tuesday in the doubleheader. It was really cold. He didn't manage Thursday, but he did manage the rest of the series, so it doesn't seem like that was a big deal. But Ryan Christensen did walk away 1-0 undefeated as Padres manager as the Padres were able to win this game 2-1. The Padres' record is 17-9 after... Uh, Thursday's win, uh, 19 and 10 right now. Hog, I see you in the chat. Yeah. He, yeah. See this guy on Twitter, he literally tweeted out, hang on, let me see. Let me see on Twitter. I, I need to go see this tweet one more time because I know for dang sure, Hog, you, there's no way you believed that this was going to happen. He tweeted at, 3.43 p.m. Pacific time after saying 46 minutes earlier that the deficit, which was like two runs, felt like 15 to nothing. And so he said at 3.43, I'll give him credit. He said the Padres will win this game today. I'm smelling some walk-off energy on this great Mother's Day. There's no way you felt that, Hog. You can't say that. There's no way. What energy did you feel? No one was getting on base. No one was getting on base. You can't say that you felt the energy. I love the optimism, but I can't, I don't believe that you felt that, truly felt that. There's no way. I don't believe that. So, I mean, yeah, you put the Kirk Cousins, you like that gif up on your profile. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I like it. I love I love the win. I love Tori Alfaro hitting the walk off, but sorry. I I don't believe what I, I don't believe you smelling the walk off energy when what they do. Hang on, I have it in my notes here. When 
they went 20 and two-thirds innings without scoring a run. That's what happened. So I'm definitely excited about the win, but just saying. Just saying, Hog, just saying. All right. Talk about Thursday's game still. In the bottom of the first, Manny hit a solo home run. His sixth home run of the year made it one nothing. In the top of the third, Jesus Aguilar had an RBI single to center. That tied the game, but then Manny came back in the fourth, gave Nolan Arenado a little bit of uh, his thoughts on the April Player of the Month snub, getting a second home run of the game. Uh, that was in the fourth inning, like I said. That made it 2-1 to one Padres. That was Machado's 50th home run ever at Petco Park. Nick Martinez was the starter in this game. He went six innings for the first time this season. He ended up finishing with seven innings, giving up only one earned run, four hits, one walk, struck out four uh, on 102 pitches. He retired 13 batters in a row at one point, uh, and this was clutch. Nick Martinez, I know Manny hit the two home runs, but based on the bullpen situation, and I put bullpen usage charts out before every game, uh, just to kind of so we can all play manager and kind of guess who's available um, going into games out of the bullpen. And every single reliever pitched on Wednesday in Cleveland in that doubleheader. So Nick Martinez needed to give some length for Bob Mellon for this bullpen to give the bullpen a little bit of rest because they would have been toast the rest of the series. So those seven innings allowed for only two guys to pitch. They're two kind of top relievers right now, Garcia and definitely Rogers, and they closed it out. Um, a huge performance by Martinez because that allowed for Suarez and Wilson and Chris Matt and everyone to not have to pitch that game on, you know, at least back-to-back days. So a big performance out of him. He was my MVP in this game. I'll give MVP of the series uh, after I talk about all these games. But, I mean, one of my other takeaways in this game, as pretty much the entire series, was that the offense wasn't great. They had five hits, the same amount as Miami, by the way. They were The Padres were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. They left six on base, and that's not good enough. They had four runners in scoring position and went 0 for 4 this game, and then there was another game, I think it was yesterday's game, where they went 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. So they took a step backwards. And so it's pretty much a miracle that they won this game against the Marlins. It was still great pitching by Martinez, by the fifth starter, and the bullpen was good, Garcia and and, uh, Rodgers. But it still feels like a miracle that they were able to win this game. And so that was kind of my thoughts at the beginning when I just came on here is, yeah, they got a series win, but it definitely wasn't pretty. And I don't think you can be like totally encouraged by the series win. You'll take the series win, but the offense sucks right now. That That's just the way it is. And I'll be in the building on Wednesday. At least that's the plan coming back from New York to San Diego on Wednesday for that Cubs game uh, and then staying uh, in San Diego. So I'll have some content inside Petco Park for you guys, but We'll see how Nick Martinez pitches that Wednesday, but that might, I mean, this start that he had on Thursday, this made it really, really tough for the Padres to say, hey, you know what? You went seven innings, gave up one run. We're going to send you to the bullpen now. And so he's definitely going to start Wednesday. He's going to be sent to the bullpen still, regardless of if he pitches a perfect game or not, probably on Wednesday, 
just because Snell is a starter, Clevenger is a starter, Musgrove is a starter, NL Cy Young candidate right now. Um, Darvish is a starter. Who else? Gore. I think he's better as a starter than as a piggyback, but that might have to happen when Snell comes back. I, I forgot Manaya. He's definitely a starter. So there's a lot of starting pitchers here. It's a good thing, a good problem to have, but it's still a problem, right? Problem is something that has to be solved, and it's going to be solved one way or the other. And it seems like regardless of how Martinez pitches, he's going to be the odd man out right now just because everyone else in the rotation are bona fide starters. It's not like you have Eric Lauer or Joey Lucchese in the rotation competing with Nick Martinez, and you're like, no, I think Joey Lucchese's a starter. Nick Martinez will send you to the bullpen. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. You got Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, Manaya, Musgrove in there, and your top prospect in Mackenzie Gore is pitching amazing right now. You know, that there's that's a difference. That's a big difference there. Lakeham says, what's going on with Weathers? Uh, he's just in AAA. I mean, he's pitched okay uh, as of late, um, but he's not going to be called up. Yeah, he's not going to be called up. You got Baez, Morhone, Castillo coming back at some point, Pomerantz, um, not not Adams, but uh, Pierce Johnson, Martinez moving to the bullpen. You still have Reese Kinnear as an option, Pedro Avila they brought up before Weathers. Um, so I don't think they're too high on him. I have no idea what's really going on. I, I don't think you're going to see him unless last year happens. And what I mean by that is a bunch of injuries happen. I, I don't think you're going to see him. So that's that's Weathers. Uh, Giving my takeaways. The last seven games, by the way, after Thursday night's game, Profar uh, was a combined one for 27 out of the four spot. A 235 OPS, which is like a batting average, so that's terrible. And all seven of those games that I'm talking about there were out of the four spot. And good enough, gladly enough, at least for me, is that Profar was moved out of that four spot later on in this series. So that seems to kind of be working. I mean, Profar, he just seems lost right now. And he's kind of lost because he's swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. It's, it, you watch games. You watch every at-bat like I do, every single pitch. He is swinging at pitches that are balls. Like, don't swing at these pitches, dude. And you could be walking a whole lot more. You could be getting on base a lot more instead of having a really low average and having your batting average tank because that's what it's done over the last couple weeks. Um, so that's Thursday's game. Padres went 2-1, to one, improved to 17-9 and nine on the season. Uh, MLB.com, I think this was before the game on Friday. They came out with their hitter power rankings, their new hitter power rankings that they do every week. I think it's some new thing on MLB.com. And obviously it's not a great uh, decision on their part because they don't know what they're doing. Um, Number one was Trout. Okay. Number two was Judge. Number three was Jose Ramirez. Number four was Nolan. That's where it caught my eye. Number five was Taylor Ward. He's doing great. And then number six was Manny. So obviously, Manny and Nolan is the big comparison there. And MLB.com got that wrong. Manny, when this list was made, he had a higher average than Nolan, higher OPS, higher war, and the same amount of home runs as Nolan. And he was just coming off a two home run game. And they say, no, let's put let's put Nolan two spots ahead of Manny. Potters are without their best player. Manny's had to step up. He stepped up. He's the MVP. He's the best player in the National League right now in terms of war. Nah, 
let's put Nolan in front. He's got the nine gold gloves. I know that's nothing to do with hitting, but for some reason they just love Nolan. They love Nolan. All the flashy plays. Whenever he hits a home run, oh my God, people lose their dang minds. Uh, When Manny does it, okay, they post it, but they don't lose their minds. Uh, There's still the narrative of Manny being a dirty player. And those are people that don't watch Manny on a daily basis, obviously. But what kind of pisses me off the most about MLB.com's list, to be honest, is the voters don't give an explanation of why someone is ranked ahead of another. The MLB.com power rankings, they just list the 10 players, and then they just list their stats underneath it. They don't say, oh, we're putting, I think Nolan should be ahead of Manny because da-da-da-da-da. No, all they do is just put Nolan's hitting this, and then they go on to the next guy. And then at the bottom of the list, they put like the honorable mentions. I think Haas was on there. And then they, then they put the voters' names at the bottom. Like, there's no explanation. You're doing a power rankings, and you're just not going to explain anything? That makes no sense. It's the laziest thing you can do is say, let's put a power ranking together, and let's just list the stats. Let's not even compare anyone. We're, we're literally just listing stats. We're not explaining our decisions. And we're just going to continue sliding Manny. That's what it is. I don't want to spend more time on this. I just wanted to give my put my thoughts out there because it just continues to piss me off every time Manny gets slighted, and I'm going to continue being pissed off and continue expressing my thoughts on it um, as long as Manny continues to get slighted because it's just not fair to him. All right, let's move to Friday's game. The Padres still won this one as well, 3-2 to two, uh, somehow. A lot, all three of these wins, it's like, oh, somehow they won the game. How the heck did they win the game here when they scored this amount of runs? Uh, but 3-2, to two, they won. 18-9 was their record that they improved to. Uh, in the bottom of the first, Manny scores on an Eric Hosmer RBI gapper uh, to the right. It was right center, I believe, right? Right center made it one nothing after Manny got walked there. In the bottom of the fifth, Matt Beatty had an RBI double after Trent Grisham had a leadoff triple. That made it 2 nothing. Finally, Beatty did come through there. Um, it took 37 at-bats for Matt Beatty to have his first run driven in as a San Diego Padre in the regular season. Manny had a laser uh, RBI single to left. That made it 3-0. That ended up being the deciding run. They only scored three runs in this game. In the sixth, Jose, uh, Jesus Aguilar hit a two-run homer to left. That made it 3-2 Padres. In that, or 3-2, yes, 3-2 Padres. Um, Padres... Didn't score any. Marlins didn't score anymore either. Uh, the Padres win by that score. Darvish pitched this game. He pitched good. Seven innings, two earned runs. Look at that. Another quality start by Padres starters. Five hits. Did not walk anyone. Big fan of no walks. No free passes. Doesn't build up the pitch count. Three strikeouts on 97 pitches. Look, Bob Mellon continues to give his starting pitching that room to go 90-plus pitches, 100-plus pitches. I think Musgrove went over 100 today. He continues to give Padres pitchers that length, right, that leash, and I love that. That's something that I feel like Tingler wouldn't have done, and I I don't want to keep mentioning Tingler because he's not with the team anymore, Uh, but it just feels like Melvin's doing something that Tingler would 
wouldn't have done, you know, by giving uh, Padres pitchers that leash. Uh, Darvish, though, I know he gave up those. Uh, he only gave up two runs, but he did have three flyouts to the warning track. But again, it's a result-based business, as Don Orsillo would say. So that ends up being a great start by him. Robert Suarez came in after a seven-pitch eighth inning. Chisholm hit one to the warning track. So that was like four, the fourth warning track ball of the night. I mean, it's clear there's a dead ball. Hassan Kim had one today in the left field corner. And then the next pitch, Manny hit a home run, but it was foul. Um, and that was still when it looked like the Padres were going to get shut out for the second day in a row and go like 21 straight innings without scoring a run. But they obviously won. Uh, we're going, still going back to Friday's game. In the top of the ninth, Stephen Wilson came in because Taylor Rodgers had the day off uh, because of going what he went, I think, two days in a row because of the doubleheader and then Thursday. Wilson came in, got the save. He allowed a, a single and a walk in his first two plate appearances, uh, the first two batters he faced. Uh, I was kind of sweating a little bit there. Not going to lie, they had an Abil Chris Matt warm-up, I believe, if I remember correctly. And when your long man is warming up in the ninth inning in a save situation, that's not great. Uh, but Wilson got out of it. Uh, he got Birdie to fly out to center to the warning track with two out, uh, for, for, for the uh, – Second out, and then on the final out, he got a fly out to left. But in this game, right, so the Padres win this game 3-2. to two. Wilson gets his first career save. Manny uh, scored. Haas came through. Beatty came through. Manny came through. Back-to-back uh, -back games that he's come through in that game, uh, in this series. Even with that, Miami out-hit the Padres 6-5. to five. The Padres were 2-for-10 with runners in scoring position. Miami was 0-for-4. So while Miami didn't drive any, any anyone with runners in scoring position, the Padres failed to drive in runners with runners in scoring position more times than the Marlins did. The Padres left 8 on base. The Marlins left only 5 on base. So you could say, hey, Ben, well, they're getting guys. They're getting, they, went, they got 6 more guys in scoring position more than the Marlins. Well... Did you drive them in or not? You know, you drove in two for 10. That's 20%. That's not good enough when you're facing the Marlins. Um, so that's my main takeaway. I mean, Darvish pitched well. The bullpen pitched pretty well. Um, but the offense, two for 10 with runners in scoring position, not good enough. 0 for 4 the night before, 0 for 3 uh, yesterday. Not good. Not good. Not good. On Saturday morning, so the Padres improved to 18 and 9. Jose Castillo, by the way, in Lake Elsinore on Friday, he went one and a third innings, gave up no runs, two hits, and uh, excuse me, he struck out one batter in Lake Elsinore. I don't know when he's going to return. I mean, he's a reliever; he's not going to start. So he's been pitching pretty well in Lake Elsinore. So it seems like he'd be able to come back. You'd hope by the end of the month, but I'm hearing June. I don't know if anyone else has heard any updates on Castillo, but and bias for that matter. I'm like hearing June, more hone as well. I'm hearing June. Maybe they're just trying, they're just trying to be safe with it, but it feels like he's ready. And then it feels like it's going to be a few weeks for Yuzmira Petit, who the Padres signed on a minor league deal, who pitched really well under Bob Melvin with the Oakland A's. He pitched with the Giants as well. And he's kind of like a stamina guy, but maybe a little better. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he doesn't walk guys. Um, so they're waiting on him. They're waiting on Castillo. They're waiting on Baez, waiting on Marjone. Martinez is going to move to the bullpen. 
Uh, Pierce Johnson going to come back at some point. Drew Pomerantz as well. So the bullpen's going to get a lot of reinforcements, but the offense, uh, I'm not really sure if they're going to get a whole lot of reinforcements. You know, Luke Voigt, we'll get to him. He is sucked in the minor leagues. He struck out nine times in a row. Just hasn't gotten a hit in the minor leagues. He came back to San Diego to get some work in on live BP um, sessions with coaches, and he's going to be ready probably by the road trip. But we'll get more into that in a little bit. Will Myers still hasn't gotten on a rehab assignment yet as of today, as of right now, as from what I know. Uh, Brent Rooker, Don, yeah, you just commented that. I see that. He's on the IL still from what I know. Um, I can check in on that. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're getting a whole lot of reinforcements offensively either. Fernando, yeah, you're, you're probably like Ben. Did you forget about the guy who probably should have won National League MVP last year? No, I didn't forget about him. He's not back probably till like June as well. That's a long ways away in baseball terms when you're playing every day and the offense is struggling this much. Jerks and Profar has stunk. Trent Grisham has stunk. Matt Beatty's hurt with the shoulder, but he's stunk. Trace Thompson, he didn't he had one good game in Pittsburgh and he stunk after that. The offense right now is Manny and Hosmer. And I guess you could argue Cronenworth a little bit, but even then he's kind of popped out a lot. Um, so that's the way it is right now. And so offensively, not a whole lot of reinforcements. You got to reinforce yourselves, if that makes sense. You, you just got to hit better. And it's easy for me to say uh, as a 19-year-old just sitting here, who didn't make it past high school baseball? Okay, but I'm here sitting here. I'm just trying to say how it is, and I think they hold themselves to high standards as well, so I know they're probably ticked off as well. I mean, Luke Voigt, when he was struggling earlier this year, he was cussing all over the place, right? So I know he's pissed off, but pissed off doesn't lead to results all the time, and we're not seeing results or at least good enough results, in my opinion, in terms of the Potters' offense. And, yeah, they won the series. They took three out of four. But just look how many runs they scored. They scored eight runs. And just look at the runners in scoring position totals. I mean, my goodness. Quan says, take your time, Luke Voigt. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't want to just take your time, say take your time, because – who is the Padres DH right now? Like Luis Camposano is not being called up. He was just sent down. They gave him like 12 at bats. So they clearly think he's not ready. They don't. I, I, I thought that they should have, when Luke Voigt was on the IL, I thought that they should have had him DHing every day when they're not using, you know, Manny or Profar or someone like that as a rotating DH, you know, using it as an off day. I thought they should have put Camposano in there every day as the DH. Give him as many at bats as he can, as you can. Give him the opportunity to excel, and they didn't really do that. He played like three games, 12 at-bats. Did he get one hit, I think? So they, the, Camposano's not an option, I don't think. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at there. And then Myers is still not on a rehab assignment, and Voigt can't find it at the plate. So, yeah. All right, so Saturday morning, just kind of going chronologically here, Dennis Lynn came out. He reported that the Padres received calls on Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell before the regular season started. As of Friday, 
no trade is going to happen. No trade's imminent. But the front office knows that if a trade was going to happen, it would shed a large contract, either Snell or Darvish's, because they're a free agent after next year. So they have to, the other team that would acquire them would pay for the rest of this year and all of next year. Uh, and it would upgrade other parts of the roster <clears throat> offense that is really struggling right now. I mean, you have today, you had Jose Azacar, Trent Grisham, and Trace Thompson as your outfield. I mean, come on, you know, yikes. You had Matt Beatty in right field yesterday. And then Will Myers, it's not like Will Myers was great either. Um, but my thoughts on Darvish and Snell being floated out there, I mean, A.J. Preller, we know that he loves having conversations, these potential hypothetical deals. Just he is someone that thinks outside the box and doesn't just think outside the box, but he keeps every option open except Manny and Tatis probably, right? And hopefully Joe. He keeps everything, and and Gore, I'll put it, and Abrams, and I guess there's more people than I thought, but you get the point. He keeps his options open. And so him having conversations about Snell and Darvish with other teams, it's not him really. It's other teams calling about Snell and Darvish to Preller. I think it should happen. Why should he shut the phone off when that happens, right? I mean, you have a loaded rotation right now, and I know that – Injuries happened last year, and it's too early. I'm on the side of think the viewpoint that it's too early to trade Darvish or Snell. Totally too early because of injuries that can happen. And Gore having innings needed to be limited and all that, blah, blah, blah. But it's never too early to have conversations, right? At least have the framework, framework down so that when you're at the trade deadline and you're trying to improve other areas of the roster or you're talking with GMs about other moves, you already have the structure down. You know, you're not wasting time then when you could have done it earlier, you know, at least have some talks, right? Um, But Darvish and Snell, people want to give up on Snell right now, right? And I understand why they're saying, okay, let's just trade Snell. We have Manaya, Musgrove, Gore, uh, Darvish, Martinez, Marhone coming back. We got a lot of starting pitching depth. Why not getting why not get rid of Snell, who still hasn't pitched yet this season? And you can get an offensive bat, right? You can upgrade the offense or something. Upgrade some point of the some someone on the team, right? Some position. But you know this Ruben Niebla effect that happened with Mackenzie Gore? Yeah, I think that can happen with Blake Snell too. Maybe I'm really off base with that viewpoint, but I think that can happen. You know, they've had limited time together. Blake Snell, remember that spring training start that he had? I think I think it was his last spring training start going into the season before that injury happened, right before he took the mound. He pitched well. I think Ruben Niebla can really help him out in terms of not nibbling and just throwing strikes. We saw that with Gore, right? He was nibbling and walking the earth in spring training last year. Got sent back to Peoria. They work on on command with Gore, Niebla does, and look what he is right now. 
So I'm not going to give up on Snell, a guy who's won a Cy Young, a guy who wants to win just because we have depth right now in the rotation. Keyword, keywords, couple words, right now. That depth might go away in a few weeks. In a matter of weeks, it could go away, right? I didn't even mention Clevenger as one of uh, those starters, right? So they got a lot of depth, but that depth could go away. You got Clevenger who's coming off an injury, right? Musgrove, you seem, it seems like he's going to stay healthy, but he was the only one that stayed healthy last year. So maybe it's his year that something happens. You know, you hope it doesn't, obviously. He is the best pitcher right now. Um, but Darvish was hurt last year. Snell was hurt last year. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have been hurt. So I'm not going to give up on Snell yet. I'm not going to give up on Darvish either, definitely, because he's pitching really, really well right now. And what is the goal, right? The goal is to win. And so why would you trade away two starters that I still think can help you win and get you to the postseason, and then you see what happens? Why would you trade them if you're AJ or Peter Seidler? Why would Peter Seidler approve this? That doesn't make sense. You're, you're kind of going against what you're trying to do, right, is trying to win. And with the offense right now, you need to prevent runs. And Darvish and I think Snell can do that going forward. The trade deadline, if they still have the depth, if Morahone is healthy, if Baez is healthy, if Weathers is pitching okay in AAA, if Gore is good innings-wise, okay, then maybe – you make a trade and the offense is sputtering and then you, okay, then that would make sense. But right now it's too early for me to say, yeah, let's get rid of Snell before we even see him pitch in regular season games for the Padres this season under Ruben Yeblin. Too early. And too early, definitely too early for me to say, let's trade away you Darvish, the guy who just gave up only two runs his last start, you know, not doing that. So I wanted to touch on that. All right, let's get to Saturday's game. We got two more games to react to. Keep those comments coming. Um, if I don't get to them now, I'll definitely get to them at the end of the episode. Just scroll through if, for any of them that I missed. What's up, Raven? How's it going? Hope you're doing well. All right. As for Saturday, Luke Voigt in El Paso, he went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. That was his ninth straight strikeout, that fifth that bat that fifth strikeout that he had on Saturday. So I looked this up this morning. I said it on the pregame show that he has a 20-day maximum rehab that he can go on before I think they have to actually option him down in the minor leagues. This was before the news came out that he had come back to San Diego and he's taken live BP and working with coaches and he should be ready for the road trip that starts on Friday in Atlanta. Um, so the last day, if they do do the 20 max rehab, if he would have stayed there, would have been around May 22nd. And that would have been in time for the Milwaukee series at home. So the next homestand. But it seems like he's going to be up. And my main worry about Luke Voigt here is why would you bring him back and say that he's going to be ready for the road trip when he hasn't gotten a hit in the minor leagues? And you could say that the minor leagues might be a little bit like spring training and who cares? But with Luke Voigt, it's different. This isn't Manny Machado going hitless in El Paso. We wouldn't be worried about that on a rehab assignment, right? This is someone that 
struggled and struck out a lot with the Padres before he got hurt. This is someone that clearly is struggling against breaking balls and someone that probably needs to change his approach a little bit for being brutally honest. So why not max out those 20 rehab days, right? And let him work on it in the minor leagues. Zoom is available. Have the Padres coaches Zoom with him and say, hey, work on this, work on that. You know, so for them to throw probably Voight in there on Friday, it seems a little early to me. It seems it seems like they're going to put him at DH and a lot of strikeouts are coming. Now, prove me wrong, Luke Voigt. I'd love to see it, but I was a little caught off guard by them already bringing Voigt back when he just struck out nine times in a row in El Paso. You know, you'd like to see better results. You'd like him to see you like him to have one hit in El Paso. One hit. And that's that didn't happen. So we'll see. Maybe some reporters will have some clips out there about some live BP uh, and see if anything has changed. The bicep injury seems to be gone, so that's good. But it seems like the biceps injury has been gone for a week now, and he didn't get a hit in the minor leagues. And I've been saying this for weeks, for ever since – He's been swinging and missing and hitting foul balls off breaking balls. Why not change your approach? Go look at some Bryce Harper film, Luke. He has that leg kick and he's violent the first two strikes. But when there's two strikes on him, he's been toe-tapping for the last few years. And he's had success on it. He's hit home runs toe-tapping. Luke Voigt can hit home runs having a toe-tap with two strikes. You don't move your head too much with two strikes like that. And I think that's better. How about you just make some contact? And yes, again, it's a 19-year-old just saying this, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see, okay, when you're facing a hitter or you're facing a pitcher and you have this big leg kick, your head moves, and then you add in a slider and a curveball, which is what you're getting every pitch because Voight can't hit that right now. Well, look, you're setting yourself up for failure. You have a toe tap. Look, toe tap, the head level is the same. When you're up here, the head moves. It's just logic. So that's my recommendation for Luke Voigt. But he's not listening to me. No one's listening to me on the Potters coaching staff because uh, I'm not the hitting coach. I'm not Michael Bedard. The Ruben Niebla, the Potters pitching coach, did follow me on Instagram this week, though. That was pretty cool to see. So maybe, maybe Ruben is listening to me about pitching or about something on this if he gets hey Ruben if you're listening or you're watching thank you so much you're doing great uh keep working at it don't give up on Snell work with Snell I think you're really really helping this team you're one of the MVPs of this team so far this season because you fixed Mackenzie Gore and starting the starting pitching is being the savior to this team right now so keep it up Ruben keep it up all right, Thursday's game, it was the Pablo Lopez game. He dominated the Padres, eight innings, zero runs. Padres got shut out for the first time this season, which was kind of a surprise based on the offensive struggles as of late, but that is a fact. They uh, were 18-10 and 10 after this loss. Jorge Soler hit that big grand slam 
uh, off Raker late. I wasn't mad about that pitch. I've said that multiple times already. The pitch was down in the strike zone. He almost hit his spot, and Solaire golfed it. You know, there wasn't high velocity on it. I think it was a slider, and he hit a home run. Lamette really struggled. I don't think there's a big need to, to go into a lot of what the Marlins did scoring-wise because the Padres didn't score any runs in this game. You don't score any runs, you're going to lose every game you play. A-Rod's nephew hit a home run to make it one nothing Miami. Uh, Garrett Cooper had a two-RBI double. Uh, and then in the ninth, Chisholm had an RBI double, made it 4 nothing Miami, and then the Soler Grand Slam. But the story here, I mean, Manaya pitched well. That's not the story. Six innings, three earned runs. That didn't matter because the Padres scored zero runs. A quality start. You can't get mad at Manaya for that. You got to get mad at, guess what? The Padres lineup. And maybe uh, Pablo Lopez a little bit because of how good he was. But that's just the fact. The Padres lineup sucked this game. They weren't great the entire series. Miami outhit the Padres in this game 10 to 5. The Padres got three runners in scoring position. They went 0 for 3. Miami had 13. They had 10 more guys in scoring position than the Padres did yesterday. You can't have that happen. The Padres, uh, the first three games of the series were 2 for 17 combined with runners in scoring position. And meanwhile, during last night, Margot for the Rays hit a grand slam while Grisham struggled. So there you go. But the story here is Denelson Lamet. I mean, my goodness. Oh, man. This is, this is kind of depressing to see, really. I mean, 2020, he was a Cy Young finalist, was he not? Right? Pitching really, really well. Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young that year, whatever. In a two-month season, but Lamette, the bottom of the bottom line is, he showed flashes of greatness, and he has not shown that since. You know, 2020 at the end there, got hurt, decided not to have the surgery, came back 2021, middle of the season, got hurt again, walked off the mound. I think what was it? His first start, like the second inning. It was a day game. I remember watching that game. I think he got hurt another time later in the year. And then he just hasn't been the same since. Just has not been the same since. In this game, he pitched two-thirds of an inning, gave up three earned runs, one hit that he gave up, two walks, didn't strike out anyone. And when Lamette was good in 2020, he was striking out guys, right? The slider was big, obviously. The slider still his pitch. I mean, I don't know what Bob Melvin's seeing. I, I mean, he's smarter than I am, obviously. And maybe Ruben Niebla saying the same thing and kind of just echoing the same thing to Melvin. But Melvin is saying in these press conferences about Lamette, every time that Lamette struggles, he's still saying, he, he's pretty much saying that the sliders, the stuff is still there. He's just not locating his pitches. Okay. Well, look, Mackenzie Gore wasn't able to locate his pitches before Niebla came. Why can't Niebla somehow help Lamette a little bit there with locating his pitches? So I, I don't fully believe that the stuff is fully there. I mean, before the RBI double, I think, that he gave up to Chisholm last night, I think I think that was where it was. I posted on the Talking Friars Twitter, at Talking Friars. 
I hope you follow. Um, I posted that he had a slider that was up and away, way outside the zone before he gave up the double. Way out of the zone. And that's not missing your spot. Like, okay, you want it down and in, and you miss middle of the plate, right, where he kind of missed the next pitch. That was, like, way outside the zone. Like, he just isn't there. I have no idea. Maybe it's mechanics. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I have to do – maybe I have to look at it side by side, but I have no idea. But it's – going into the year, Denelson Lamette, he was literally – we were literally talking about how this guy was going to be one of the closer options. Was he not? Before we got Taylor Rodgers on opening day, it was Suarez, Garcia, Lamette, and – I'm forgetting one person. I'm forgetting someone, but it, he was one of those guys that we were like, oh, he might be the closer here. You know, he might, the Padres tr- might trust him in high leverage situations. Well, that's out the window. That's totally out the window now. They're putting him in a mop up games, they're putting him in games where they know the offense isn't going to come back, right? What was it, like three nothing or something when they put him in last night? The offense wasn't coming back from that. They put him in. They said, let's not waste any of our high leverage guys. Let's put Lamed in. And then Ray Kerr, for anyone getting on Ray Kerr, don't do that. One inning, he pitched against the Dodgers, and he pitched really well. And so now he pitches he pitches like a third of an inning bat against the Marlins when he had runners on, and you're going to crap on him? I think that's way too early to do that. But with Lamed, that's totally different. I mean, I never – Look, I'm not a big leaguer, so I I don't want to totally, you know, crap on people. But it's just – I'm more coming at it from a viewpoint that it's just sad what we're watching with Lamed. Like, what is his trade value? There was someone in the chat in the pregame show today about uh, DFAing him. I'm not on that boat because I think teams will give you something, whether that's a minor league bat or – they'll give you something. Because there, there were reports, what, a week ago, that the Padres were having discussions with teams, phone calls, whatever, communication with teams about Denelson Lamette. So other teams are interested. So the whole DFAing thing is not going to happen. A trade will happen. It's just a matter of literally how much or really how less they're going to get. But just look at these game logs. I mean, his last four appearances... April 24th gave up a run. April 27th gave up two runs. April, or excuse me, May 4th gave up one run. May 7th gave up three runs. And over those four appearances, he's combined for four walks and two home runs. And his ERAs jumped from 169 before that April 24th appearance to now 859. His FIP is 7.03. He's not thrown enough strikes. He threw 24 pitches yesterday, and he threw 11 strikes, less than 50%. That's not good enough. You have to be better than that. So his role right now, you know, I'm asking, what is his role? I've said that on previous episodes. His role right now is is mop-up duty. His role is... Stepping into that, 
I don't know, that like Pedro Avila role that they had Pedro Avila in. Like just pitch him so you don't have to embarrass yourself putting in a pitcher to pitch. You know, like that, that seems like what his role is right now. And it's just sad to see. It's just sad to see based on what he did in 2020. You know, he looked really, really good then. I know a lot of things have happened, but it seems like him not getting that surgery, everything has gone downhill from there. Everything. And it just sucks to see. You're glad that they have some depth coming back a little bit in the bullpen and in the rotation. I'll say that. That's the, I guess, silver lining in this. It has nothing to do with Lamette. It has just something to do with, I guess, the depth that Preller still has, even with all the trades that he's made. All right, so that was Saturday's game. Sunday's game, they somehow miraculously won on that Jorge Alfaro three-run home run. I played the audio, the video of the Alfaro home run at the beginning of the episode if you missed it, so I encourage you to go watch or rewind that uh, to around the beginning part of the episode um, to watch that again, listen to that. Don Silva was great on the call there. My goodness. Happy Mother's Day, all of it. That was great. Uh, but this game did not start out well. While the Padres are 19-10 and 10 right now, the offense again struggled. And I'll get to my series MVP. It's actually a few people. Uh, but the corner outfielders in the lineup today were Trace Thompson and Jose Azokar. I mean, I mentioned that earlier this episode. That just says how bad the depth right now in the outfield is, right? On the bottom of the first, first and second two outs, this is where the parade of instances of the Padres not cashing in started. Nola popped out to short. In the bottom of the third, there was second and third two outs, their second opportunity with runner in scoring position. Hosmer popped out to second. He would pop out again later in the game. Uh, when was it? Do I not have it down? It was later in the uh, – there it is, uh, in the bottom of the fifth. Hosmer – with runners on first and second, two outs, he popped up to short. That's twice today that he did that. Garrett Cooper gave the Marlins a lead, one to nothing in the fourth on a sack fly. Um, that was Musgrove's first and second hits of his outing there in that inning. In the bottom of the fifth, Kim, Hassan Kim, came feet within going, hitting a go-ahead two-run home run. That would have made it two to one at the time. But the dead ball, um, Slayer caught it and left. Next pitch, Manny hit a home run, but it was foul. Padres ended up not scoring there. And that's where it felt like, okay, yeah, they're definitely not winning this game. Everything's against them. Kim probably put the best swing he could on that ball, and it didn't go out. Manny put an amazing swing on it, and he was a little early. Didn't go out or went foul out, and they didn't score. He had three opportunities with two with Hosmer and one with Nola. Couldn't come through. You know, the I think – the six through nine hitters I put out on Twitter at some point during this game, they were 0 for 10. Nothing was going right. Joe Musgrove was pretty much the only thing going right, but nothing was going right offensively. Musgrove finished the game giving up uh, two earned runs on five hits. He struck out eight, gave it one home run, seven innings of work, 108 pitches. So like I mentioned earlier about um, Bob Melvin giving the starting pitchers leash, right? Just not being afraid to say, hey, I see you're rolling. Here, I'll give you the ball again. I'll give you another batter. If you do well, I'll give you another batter. And then we'll bring in 
someone for matchups to get the third out. You know, he, he's done that multiple times this year. He let Musco finish that seventh inning, full seven innings of work. He's had a quality start every time out. He's the Padres Cy Young right now, in my opinion. Um, but at that time, the Padres were losing because there were no runs scored. You don't score any runs, you're not going to win. They saw that happen on Saturday night. And it looked like it was going to happen again today. The Padres went 20 and two-thirds innings without scoring a run. It would have been 21 innings had Alfaro not hit the walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth uh, with two outs after Profar made an idiotic running mistake uh, going to third base. Um, so the offense, you go 21, almost almost 21 innings worth of not scoring runs against the Marlins. Yikes. Uh, but in the bottom of the ninth, this is where it started. Grisham had a grounder to second. Wendell made the bad throw. Nobody was at third base, so Profar tried going to third, but then he got tagged out. Just a really bad base running mistake when you going to third wouldn't have done anything. You're down by two runs. You know, your run matters, but it also doesn't really matter, right? Because you're not the game time run. So trying to go to third doesn't make sense. And then C.J. Abrams singles to left field, and that would have loaded the bases. And so Profar looks really even more idiotic for doing that because Abrams came through finally, and he wouldn't have even had to try to get third there and try to pull a Tatis, right? I think he realized today that he wasn't Tatis. Uh, but he got out. That was the second out. Felt like they were going to lose. After you make that mistake, you have Jorge Alfaro coming up uh, who hasn't hit, hadn't hit a home run since the first series of the season, I think, against Arizona when he that blowout that they had on that Sunday game against Arizona uh, when Chris Matt had to come in because Snell got hurt that game. I think that, if, if I remember correctly, that's this is his first home run since then, but it was a huge one. Uh, I was getting ready to film a post-game reaction video of the Padres losing and the offense sucking. And obviously if you've listened to this entire, watch this entire episode, you know that I've still talked about that a lot because I'm being realistic. I'm not trying to put, you know, give you some Padre colored glasses and say, everything's great uh, because they somehow won this game in the ninth inning after doing nothing, the first eight innings, eight and two thirds innings, pretty much really, if you think about it. Uh, but Jorge Alfaro is just amazing out of him. I know that it was a bad pitch and a slider down the middle. That's not a great pitch to throw, obviously. You don't need me to tell you that. But Alfaro smashed that ball. He absolutely smashed this ball. And Don Orsillo on the call was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I'll show you. I mean, I just loved his call so much. I'm going to show you. I'm going to play it again. Here we go. High drive, keep left center field. How far will Alfaro send this one? Gone. Three run home run, walk off home run for Jorge Alfaro. Padres win it three to two. 
Happy Mother's Day! It was a great call. It was a great call. And it sent all the mothers home happy. Uh, my mom went to the game uh, with my two sisters. I think they stayed the whole game. I sure hope they did. Because there, there have been some times where they've left early. When I'm there, they, I try to stay. I try to make them stay and say, hey, can we stay? You know, I'm here to watch the game. Um, so hopefully they stayed. It seemed like they did. But just an, an amazing win, right? Alfaro, the title here, he ends Mother's Day with a bang. That's exactly what he did, and he saved the Padres from splitting a series against the Miami Marlins. And frankly, it's a miracle that they won the series when they scored eight runs and they go 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position one game and 0 for 4 the next and 2 for 10 one game, right? And you still have one guy pretty much carrying you in Manny. And you have Profar making base running mistakes and the bottom of the lineup not really doing anything. But I mean, you just got to, I guess you got to credit the starting pitching. They're my MVP, right? If I had one MVP, It'd be hard to give one MVP. It would. Recency bias is probably Alfaro because he he uh, you know gave them the series win, literally after they were about to lose. But it's you can't give a you can't give the series MVP to one guy in this series for me. It has to be to the starting pitching, all of them. Mark, Nick Martinez, game one, seven innings, one earned run. Hugh Darvish, game two, seven innings, two runs. Manaya, game three, six innings, three runs. Musgrove, game four, seven innings, two runs. All four of them had quality starts. All four of them helped save the bullpen. That's all you can ask for. You got three games now against the Cubs, and then you got an off day before the Braves series, right? But I just can't say enough about the job Nick Martinez did. I can't say enough about the job that even Darvish and Manaya did, but especially Musgrove today because the offense was doing nothing while he was on the mound, while he was in the game. But he kept going. And, yeah, did he hang that breaking ball to Jazz Chisholm for the home run that gave the Marlins the 2 nothing lead? Yeah. But guess what? It was a solo home run. He walked one guy today. So those walks, one of my what to watch for in my pregame show today was can he keep those walks down and continue that ridiculous walk to strikeout ratio that started today at 33 to 2, 33 strikeouts, two walks before this start. Can he do that? And he, he did. He did just that. He ends up striking eight out on 108 pitches. So he is just he's like the rubber arm of this rotation. He has not gotten hurt yet in a Padre uniform, and hopefully I didn't jinx it. Um, but but just overall, just a really, really great job out of the starting rotation. So they are my series MVP collectively as a whole. Let me know in the chat who your series MVP is from this Padres Marlins series. And as you do that, let's preview this Cubs series. Cubs and the Padres get together Monday through Wednesday starting tomorrow night. 6.40 p.m. Pacific time at Petco Park. The Padres got Mackenzie Gore on the mound against Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks is not the guy that he used to be. 
The Cubs enter this series nine and seventeen. Padres are nineteen and ten. So obviously, there's a big talent gap there. You'd like the Padres to sweep the Cubs, but they need to win the series. It's like the Red series, both of them. It's like the Pirates series, right? It's like this Miami series, even though the, the offense wasn't great. You got to win these series against these teams that you should beat because that's what the Dodgers, that's what the Giants are going to do. And your goal right now, when it's May 8th, your goal is still to win the division. And it's still in reach, obviously. You're a game back as I'm talking right now. But Kyle Hendricks, game one against Mackenzie Gore. Uh, Hendricks has a 5.64 ERA, Gore 171. So there's a big gap there. Game two, I believe it's Clev, 6.40 p.m., Clev for the Padres, no starter named according to MLB.com yet for the Cubs. And then the series finale, I think I'm going, I'm, well, I should be going to this game, like literally right when I get off the plane. Uh, Nick Martinez for the Padres and to be decided, to be determined for the Cubs on Wednesday. So those are the pitching matchups. The Cubs right now, they're playing in Sunday Night Baseball against the Dodgers before coming to San Diego. And let me look here, just kind of an overview of who their best players are right now. In terms of war, Keegan Thompson leads their war with 1.7, Ian Happ at 1.2, Nico Horner at 1 flat, Wilson Contreras at 0.9. Say Suzuki got off to a really hot start, and he's at 0.7 now. I mean, David Robertson's at 0.7, so, I mean, they – you look at, go look at their baseball reference page. And if you're just a casual fan, you're not like a diehard baseball fan like me. I, I'd love for you to just based off their faces, not hovering over their, their face where it shows their name, but just looking at their faces on this baseball reference page. How many can you name? Like, not even looking at, the names on this baseball reference page for me. I can name probably one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight. Yeah, eight of the 12 guys I can name looking at their face. But for a casual fan, it's going to be much lower than that. Much lower. The Cubs just, I think they're nine games back already in their division. Did I see that? Let me check again. Maybe, it, did I see that correctly? Nine games back? Eight and a half right now. They're five and seven on the road. They're two and eight in their last 10 games, not counting tonight's Sunday night baseball game that's going on right now. Yikes. Yeah, Padres need to win this series. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Cubs are losing 5-1 to one right now in the eighth. No doubt about it that they need to win this series. All right, before we get out of here, I've gone over my series MVP, went over the series, went over Voight, Lamette, rotation, offense. Is there anything else to discuss? Just going through these comments here, if there's anything I've missed.
Tony says, stop hating. I don't, I don't view it as hating. I'm just viewing it as being realistic and just saying the facts. Great win, man. We are still screwed. Well, that sums it up. Yeah. Profar needs to run bases in every practice. Well, during batting practice, hopefully he does. he's doing that. I don't even know if it's that. I think it's just don't make that dumb mistake. Have a better IQ next time. You know, before you get off that base and take that lead, think, okay, what if this happens? What do I do? You know, and I know during this play, he was trying to make something happen and he was just looking straight at third base. Look at your surroundings. That's what I would say next time. But I think that'll do it for this episode, episode 159 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. I'm Ben Fadden, your host. I hope you subscribe to the YouTube channel, turn on the post notifications so you don't miss any content that I put out on a daily basis. At Talking Friars on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I write for gaslampball.com. You can look at my articles there. I appreciate everyone for watching on YouTube, for listening on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much every podcast platform. I'll be back for the pregame show tomorrow, as always. Thank you so much again. Have a good night, everyone. See ya.